0: All right, welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. I am Frank Goodman. Martha. Martha.
1: Yes, my cousin. How are you? I'm good. Boy, we have some sessions before we start, <laughs> don't we?
0: Martha, you and I have been on the phone for over, over one hour, an hour and 25 minutes, and we've been just running out of mouths before this session.
1: Listen... All of the things we get off of our mind and our chest helps us do a better podcast. I
0: sure hope so. So how was Thanksgiving?
1: Thanksgiving was good. You know, I had a little cold, so Mm -hmm. I didn't venture out to family. Mm -hmm. And I called myself making myself a Thanksgiving turkey. Mm -hmm. And Frank, I hate to tell you what I did.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't put any seasoning on the turkey.
0: Oh, Lord, no you
2: didn't.
1: (laughs) And I sat down and looked all pretty. Oh. I cut into it and I chewed on and I said, This tastes
2: terrible.
1: (laughs) But you know, thank God they make hot sauce and they make other things that you can spread all over
0: it. Yep, yep.
1: Yeah. Teriyaki turkey.
0: Well you had seasoned seasoned turkey. (laughs) Well that's a good thing. Well, our Thanksgiving was fine. Laurie and I we were together. And we had planned to do something that was untraditional. You know, we were just going to throw some ribs into the air fryer. And Gloria, and she, she had me to cut the ribs up. She had me to cut up the... The cabbage, and then she kicked me out of the kitchen when it was time to slice the onions because (laughs) she she said I was chopping the onions instead of slicing it. So she kicked me out of the kitchen. You
1: know what? Because onions
0: always make me cry, so it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we 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 sat around, we ate, and then finally I received this phone call from a new friend of ours, and she said, "Hey Frank, uh, can you come over and bring that camera with you?" So I went over and we. That camera jumped in the car. Oh and, boy! Uh, we took some photos. But, Listen, I'm
1: gonna send you a prescription for that camera to get an eye check. Uh,
0: that, that camera is something You're else.
1: Working that camera hard.
0: Mm-hmm. But you know, Martha. Now we've talked about some some of everything. and We normally do not tell the the listeners everything that we've talked about because we do operate off of something that's unrehearsed. But it's what kind of comes to our mind. But Mm -hmm. I I have a question for you. And this is something that I was thinking about yesterday.
2: Okay. And
0: I told Gloria, I said, I'm going to ask Martha about this question. And here's the deal. Okay. Do you remember the phone booths?
1: Oh, boy. Do I remember
0: the phone booths? So how do you you remember the phone booths? Well,
1: you know, coming from New York, mm-hmm. we used to have phone booths in subways, phone booths in hotels,
2: mm-hmm.
1: phone booths everywhere you could look around, and, and including on the street corners. Right. So you knew you had to have a couple of dimes in your pocket mm-hmm. so you could run and make that phone call. Mm-hmm. And I always loved the phone booth because, at, le- at least in New York, they were all glass.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So
1: you could always see what was going on around you while you chatted and dropped those dimes. That's true. You know, so sometimes you would have, you know, it's amazing. I'd have a hole in my pocket with all the dimes that I used to have to carry around in my pocket. But I got smart. Uh-huh. I put them in a silk handkerchief.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I put those silk handkerchiefs in my pocket. Right. And then I could take it out easy, easy real quiet, <laughs> I could drop that coin. Yeah. But, you know, in my former life, I don't know if I told you, I was a telephone operator. Oh. Yeah, I used to work for AT&T. Oh, man. That was my first job. I was one of them when that you put that dime in and I say, Operator, I'll get you Susquehanna seven seven seven.
0: And you all can actually listen to those conversations because I remember as a little boy, we used to just get on the phone and say, Operator. <laughs> Operator, can I get the number to so and so and so? So you all can yep. actually hear those conversations.
1: Well, no, there's a rule. You mm. would listen for the first five seconds. Oh, okay because the rule was you wanted to ensure that the person that you connected, number one was the right person. Number two, it was not a call of distress. Hmm. So once you got that down, you got off the line. You didn't go on the line. Hmm. So I didn't know what you were talking about.
2: Hmm. I could
1: have, I guess, but I didn't really know. But I Hmm. loved that job. That was my first job out of high school.
0: Well, you're the first person I've ever met and spoken to who actually worked at the, we used to go and pay the phone bill. Mm -hmm. And we could see behind the counter Mm
1: -hmm.
2: the
0: ladies managing those phone calls.
1: That's right. They had a big switchboard. Yep. Lit up with the lights. And you had, I was good, Frank. I could hit those lights and I could take two, three calls at the same time. Wow. You know? And it was funny because, interesting enough, the day that John F. Kennedy was shot, Mm -hmm. I was working on the switchboard that Wow and the switchboard lit up like a Christmas tree.
2: Hmm.
1: And now normally you get a light here, a light there, but that day the entire switchboard lit up Hmm. and we were taking calls. We took calls, I worked overtime that day to take all the calls that we could to make sure that we answered and connected people as we could. So you bring back some fond memories about, not to mention uh, having a young beau Hmm. and uh, meeting him by the phone booth. Yeah. You know,
2: that
1: was the place that you'd you'd say, I meet you by the phone booth after I get off the door. Yep, (laughs) yep. You know, so you knew, what are you wearing? Oh, I'm going to have that little yellow raincoat on. Yep. So I don't know if you did that with your phone booths. Well,
0: you know, I can remember the phone booth as a little boy. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, you know, we had two types of phone booths. We had the one that was in the glass with the Mm -hmm. door that that you can kind of push in it will swivel in. yeah. And then you had the other one where it was attached to the wall of some facility or some building and mm-hmm. and it, that was no enclosure. You could just use the oh, phone. Oh,
2: okay. Right. Okay. Okay. But
0: in the phone booth now, the way I think back and look at this phone booth, and I was talking to Gloria about it just yesterday. And I said, well, you know, what do you get with that phone booth? And we thought about, well, the gnats used to fly around the phone booth at night.
1: Oh my God. You know,
0: so you get in there, you had to fight the gnats as well. And then <laughs> we had the we had the situation of where it was good for a cold night. So if it was very cold yeah. and you were waiting for the bus or you were waiting for somebody to pick you up, you can get mm-hmm. in the phone booth and let it block out some of that air while you're standing right. in the phone booth.
1: And sometimes if it rained, you'd duck into the phone booth.
0: That's right. But see, we couldn't change over to Superman uniforms. <laughs> we couldn't change over to the Superman uniform. But the one thing that started going negative, you know, everything you do, there's a negative side of it. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of stopping the phone booth, all of a sudden, you knew that the predators had to start hanging around the phone booth. Mm -hmm. then they started talking about condoms being left there they started talking about semen being left on the receiver then people you know people stopped using the phone booth because
2: right right
0: you couldn't trust handling the phone receiver you couldn't trust using it so it kind of you know with those memories of the phone booth it was fun talking about it and then having to put the quarters in the nickels if you had to make a long distance call the operator would tell you how much it would cost to use it oh yeah but unfortunately it had to get to that point where people began to abuse the situation and it took away uh some of those fun memories it went to that <laughs> to that dark place, the you know,
1: booth, yeah, 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 to
0: that dark place.
1: Well, you know, in New York, the phone, you could have different types of phone booths like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, those normally indoors mm-hmm. in hotels and places like that, mm-hmm. you have a little sleep that you could sit down in. Mm-hmm. You could actually sit in the phone booth and make a call. Right. I don't know if you had that there.
0: Yes, we did. You, yeah.
1: Did you? Yeah. But those, those were the phone booths that you found in the, uh, Facilities at like hotels and hospitals.
0: Right. Right. You can actually sit down in there.
1: Right. Actually sit down. They were always kept neat and clean. That's true. But what fascinates me about the phone booth is how many people wrote on the phone booth wall.
2: That's true. That's true.
1: Oh, it's a note say Henry was here. (laughs) you, you You see these little notes or you see somebody's phone number. And sometimes you say, I wonder if I should put that diamond and dial that phone number. That's true.
0: That's true. You know,
1: so you sat to those phone booths. And then, yes, you had the ones that just hung on the side of the wall or just on a building. That's true. You'd only use those in cases of emergency. Right. Those were usually, you didn't want to be out in in the inclement weather with those. Right. But but I have fond, fond memories of the phone booth because my first boyfriend used to always pick me up at a particular phone booth oh, well, yeah. and then go to dinner. Right. Okay. And I remember one time I was in the phone booth and it started raining, Frank. Hmm. And I had on this little mini skirt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be so <laughs> messed up. I'm going to look like a drowned rat when this man shows up." Yeah. And he showed up and what did he have? Two umbrellas. Oh, wow. So he was a real gentleman, you yeah. know? <laughs> He made sure, you know. Yeah, that that that, that
0: phone booth. Yeah, and you always had to push it inward. You had to push the door inward.
1: And the door was a bifold door. That's right. So you pushed in, and then it closed
0: behind you.
1: That's right. I miss those phone booths. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what?
0: You couldn't have them today because it'll be be a setup for a drive-by shooting today. So (laughs)
2: you You couldn't couldn't have
1: it today because they'd be a drug drop. Yep,
0: yep. You couldn't do it today. You know, you just couldn't have
1: it you traveled,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you've been to Europe. Mm-hmm. You've been to London.
0: I should have.
1: And you know how their phone books move <laughs> Yep. It's so different from ours. Mm-hmm. I found that they, first of all, they like the color red.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they used to paint all of them red <laughs> when I was there.
0: Yeah, they did yeah. too, yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. And then you found that when you use their phone booth, you get somebody on the other end if you needed the operator. She'd come with that British <laughs> clip accent. Your operator, yeah. you know, actually give you that British, that British accent, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see. You're right. Phone booths over time, people began to misuse them and abuse them
2: mm-hmm.
1: in neighborhoods, and in particularly some neighborhoods. Yeah. So that they began to uh, not be the place that you wanted to be standing around or in, mm-hmm. and then eventually they begin to remove them all. Right. And so then you were caught, if you had to make a phone call in an emergency, you better head to the lair- nearest drugstore
2: mm-hmm.
1: or the nearest hotel Right. to get a call in. So, you know, sometimes people can take a good thing and take it to a point where it becomes a negative.
0: Okay. So yesterday, mm-hmm. the Byron Allen uh, I- had his second annual... Um, Show Grillo. the yes, Griot Award, and the mm-hmm. GRIO Award is designed to recognize African Americans who have done, you know, great things in the community, who have done great things in their profession, their life. Yes. Those who have had an impact on the African American community and the history and culture of African Americans. Mm-hmm. Now, I sent you a text and say, "Hey, Martha, check it out. I recorded it last year." I'm recording it now. What did you think about Byron Allen and the Griot Award last night?
1: You know, I thought it was spectacular. Mm-hmm. I watched last year's, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. But this one struck me as being even better. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was the selection of the people that were given the award. right? But he always chooses people that are absolutely deserving of that award right people who really are towers of of strength in their community
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and i think what i got out of this one which i didn't recognize is how many people thanked byron Mm -hmm. because he in a way mentored so many people that you didn't even think about Mm -hmm. he had connections to people i didn't even think that he would have connections to right but that showed me something that at least growing up in my family, we were always taught to pay forward. Mm -hmm. And that's a concept that I hope that is going to be revived in our homes and in our families that we pay forward. Simply meaning you help the younger ones to achieve what they should and make sure that they're on the right path.
0: You know, I thought about collaboration.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You know, I thought about collaboration. I think what he has done with his money and with his program is to reignite the community village. How do you give back? How do you. Everyone who thanked him, they talked about how when they were younger, when they were dealing with the early part of their profession, he would be the person in the background saying, keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. they all mention it keep doing what you're doing he was always encouraging someone to move forward while he was in the process of moving forward himself and now he has become this billionaire who who's encouraging other wealthy people to give back
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and not to just ignore the rest of the world because as he closed out yesterday he brought it all into perspective. But he is saying we have to pay attention to the African-American community. Of course, he didn't say African-American. They said the black community.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But he said we have to pay attention to it. We represent 14 percent, 14 percent of the American population. Mm-hmm. But from John Cheetah to you name it, they talked about the impact that global Climate, or uh, global climate is going to have on, on the African American community. They talked about just health and welfare of people, the impact it will have. They never denied anybody else. But I love the way he closed out the program. He closed it out by talking about the truth. And the first thing he said about the truth was that Black people did not benefit from slavery. He was hmm. he was overt about his comment. He was very explicit. He didn't bite his tongue. What are your thoughts?
1: I I love that he was so frank about it. Uh I I grew concerned after I listened to the program that would he take a negative hit because of his honesty. Mm-hmm but I think I welcomed his honesty and I think we need to follow suit by being brutally honest about the impacts of captivity on us Mm -hmm. and how it has continually denied us, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what we achieve, we can't erase truth. Mm -hmm. The truth is we were taken advantage of Mm -hmm. the truth is that we were just an object to be used and not really an object of respect. Mm -hmm. I don't want to belabor all the ills of of captivity, Mm -hmm. but clearly we need to get a realistic assessment of what slavery did and how we can overcome some of the ills that are a result of it.
0: But see, Byron also talked about education. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the decision to remove certain books, the the decision to modify the curriculum. Mm-hmm. He talked about so many things and he he is saying that we must continue to tell the truth. I think it's very difficult for us to put some guardrail on that. We, we have to be able to tell the truth. And we have to be able to talk about any and everything. But I'm always looking at how people take things out of context, too. Like we said, hey, look, when you come to my office, there is no bank that accepts excuses. There's nothing mm-hmm. you can get with an excuse. Mm-hmm. And that made me think about sometimes you can misinterpret that comment and you can misinterpret the word excuse the same way people always challenge people when they say stop complaining and i always have to come back and say you wouldn't have freedom if it wasn't for a complaint that's true every person that attempted to run away every person that spoke out they were complaining Mm -hmm. that is what got you your freedom yes right so I always try to broaden it out. But I think when sometimes when you say that should not be an excuse, the first thing I thought about was my great-grandfather who spent 32 years as a slave. His excuse mm-hmm. wouldn't be, I'm a slave. That mm-hmm. was beyond that was beyond his control. That would be the reason. It wouldn't be an excuse. That would be the reason right. why he was in the position he was in. It was something that he had no control. He could not go to anyone and say, you will pay me. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But it's really something that we are not able to say to someone, pay him what he owes. Where's the compensation? Right. Right. Pay him what you owe him. So I think that when you say things like stop complaining, when you say things like don't use an excuse, we have to be very, very straightforward about what we mean by that. Mm -hmm. You know, because like I said, this is the way I challenge people on the word complaint. But I think that we also have to be able to say some things. There's a reason why there's a reason why. So I don't know if you understood what I was trying to get across.
1: Yeah, I think so. You -hmm. know, like you, we've always talked about our ancestors who were in Mm -hmm. captivity. Mm -hmm. And I thought as you were speaking that, yes, their body was captive, but Mm -hmm. their mind was not. That's right because many of them came out and changed their world, Mm -hmm. changed the world of their families and changed the world of their neighborhoods and their communities. And some others came out and still maintained that mentality of I'm still captive. Mm -hmm. So some took advantage of freedom and some did not. They weren't strong enough to understand what freedom the challenge and the doors that it opened for them, I, and I listen to you. I, I'm even more proud of what families did because they were able to harness through the church, through their organizations. So many organizations have gone by the wayside. So many organizations that helped us to get educated and get a foothold have been just destroyed by the system. Mm-hmm destroyed from neglect from us, Mm -hmm. because we didn't see the challenge and we didn't meet the challenge to not let that be um, something that's just an eyesore.
2: Right.
1: To America. You know, when you think about America, America holds a great promise for a lot of things, but one of the biggest promises it failed to do is give you a sense of true citizenship. It begins in your mind, but it's facilitated by things that are there for you to enjoy as a citizen of this country. Hmm. We have half citizenship. I think sometimes, do they still see us as three quarters of a man? Hmm. Do we see ourselves as three quarters of a man or woman? I'd want us to see ourselves as whole persons. With ideas and ideals to go forward and to share that community knowledge to share and make sure that we pass those ideals forward so that a generation doesn't question what did we do to stop something
0: well we have a we have work to do we're losing we're losing ground Mm -hmm. So now we have to go back and try to rebuild some of the things that we are now beginning to lose. So we have work to do. We had work to do initially, but we Mm -hmm. have more work to do because now we have lost ground. We're losing ground with the voting rights act and everything else. And that's unfortunate. But Martha, like always, I always enjoy our session together, our time together for the podcast. And it always catches up with us with time. You know, so we're at that period. So I'm going to ask that you kind of give us your synopsis and close us out, please.
1: You know, Frank, it's always a pleasure to sit here and just have a conversation with you to talk about what impacts us. I think to close us out, I would like us to think about the history that we have, the rich history that we have, and the rich organizations of the past that trotted the way forward for us, because those were thinkers. We had critical thinkers in the 1800s, 1900s. We had critical thinkers that took us forward. We could do it again. It's not an impossible task. It's just harder because now we're expected to uh, turn a blind eye to what we see we can't do that voting rights is important our human rights are important it goes beyond just civil rights to human rights and like you said time passes us my mom used to say time and tide wait on no man hmm. and i'm gonna say that tide and time has caught up with us tonight so yeah. without Listeners, we love you. We're always there for you. We love you. We're, for your, your input. Mm-hmm. And we're always going to ask you to stay with us and be good.
0: And be good.